Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of the Bingham Group, and welcome to the BG Podcast. Our guest today is Audrey Ponzio Rodriguez, the CEO and founder of APC Collective. Welcome to the show, Audrey. Thanks for having me, AJ. Happy to be here. Yeah, and, and no, this has been um, a wild making. We got connected officially pre-COVID, I think, uh, in February. We had our first phone call, and then everything else went to when how it went or when how it's or gone when how it went gone it's gone and everything else and and so on but um i've enjoyed our discussions over the last several months now almost the end of the year and uh mm-hmm. wanted to get in the show to talk about the founding of your firm your philosophy and business and not you know and also congratulate y'all on having your fifth year anniversary which was this last week i believe yeah, yeah. and in and, and yeah it's been uh you know just get, get your thoughts on just uh on firm development culture i've enjoyed just you know your insight our personal talks on on, on those things and um you know, show those with the audience great well um i'll try to sum up the past few months in in this in this section but i've enjoyed our conversations too as pre-covid friends that have pretty much only connected virtually via zoom and and phone calls but have a lot in common by way of our background and and our our motivation so I'll start with kind of my story. Yeah. APC. Um, I, I grew up in El Paso, Texas. I came to Austin through school. I studied what felt intuitive, which was communication. And you were at, U, were you at UT? Because I did. Okay, make sure, yeah. I did. I, um, I studied at UT. And I gravitated to kind of mass communications and advertising and eventually um, landed in, in communications, studied corporate communications, and, and my philosophy around that was I had seen the impacts or so I saw from breakdowns in communication, and I thought, well, if this is what happens on a personal level and a family level, what happens at a macro level from an organization to a, a community to the globe? And so I always thought that if people took the time to understand frames of reference and try to engage mindfully that we could solve a lot of problems. And so um, I pursued PR eventually after doing some interviews as a senior and landed at Fleischmann Hillard, which was at the time the largest firm in, in the country. Uh, I looked a certain way, spoke another language. I call it ethnically ambiguous. <laughs> and the language, you speak, you're fluent, Spanish fluent? Yeah, Spanish fluent. Uh, El Paso is neither in Mexico or the U.S. It's kind of someplace in between culturally. It sits at the border of Mexico and the United States, but also borders New Mexico. And there's a lot of richness to that. I probably took it for granted when I was there. Um, not anymore. But I, because of my background and diversity, quote unquote, I was put on uh, the diversity teams for SBC, which is now AT&T and Dell. And pretty much any client that came through the door at Fleischmann in Austin, I got to work on from a community engagement perspective. And so I didn't know that that was going to be the beginning of my journey in multicultural community engagement or diversity, equity, inclusion is what it's become. But it was, it was a, an awesome journey and it was an awesome kind of weight to be tasked with to represent communities that weren't reflected in decision-making tables. And from there, I went client side. Um, I went to LatinWorks, now third year. Eventually, um, for personal reasons, decided to move to New York. I stalked the folks at Edelman. I ended up running the Edelman Multicultural Practice for about nine years before what I call graduating to start my own consultancy. 
And when I started, having grown up professionally, I would say the bulk of my professional career was at Edelman, where from a consumer perspective or a constituent or community perspective, I, my team and I would help um, pretty much any industry you could think of engage multicultural communities mindfully and strategically um, and with, with context. And some of that, because of the lack of context or diversity reflected on the client side, some of that had to go all the way back into looking at the client makeup and the lack of diversity and representation and who was running the show. So I did DEI work for GE and Starbucks and some Unilever kind of um, consulting on that in addition to others. Um, but when I left Edelman, I couldn't work with anybody I had worked with for the past year. And Edelman, God bless them, has a lot of clients, a lot of beautiful work that they're responsible for and that I helped in some cases. So I started consulting for agencies. And one of the agencies had Sprint. Uh, when they parted ways, Sprint allowed me and offered me to stand up my own agency. And so that's what became APC Collective. Um, and because I know, and I, I come from big and amazing firms that had so many different competencies and so many brilliant minds in-house, I didn't think I could do it alone. And so this notion of a collective that would have to be a very porous organization to be relevant, to remain relevant, and to, to not claim that I had all the competencies, all the smarts, all the capabilities in-house, I would have to collaborate with like-minded, like-missioned, brilliant um, collaborators and so that's what we've done and that's what the collective is it's a agency kind of coalition of mostly minority-owned and women-led agencies that work together uh, to drive client impact however clients define it what was the i get this question as well what was the impetus like was there a like one situation or maybe a lead up to it that gave you the desire to have your own firm because we again from our talks I think people, you know, when you're when you when you're the the boss, quote unquote, you own everything. When you're not when you're an entrepreneur, whether you're in PR, or government affairs, whatever you want, you own everything. Client success, firm firm failures or missteps, everything's on your shoulders, right? And so, what you know, in the face of all that, what 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 was there a moment or maybe a series of moments that made you that got you on the track to wanting to start a PC book collective that you can think about? I think um, I've been, I, I really do feel blessed and I feel blessed for having doors open. Kate Lowry at the Fleischmann Hillard in 1999 gave me my first internship. Manny Flores in 2001 brought me on to Latin Works. Peter Land then in Edelman in 2003 brought me to Edelman. So I feel very blessed that at some point someone opened doors into opportunities that allowed for a certain amount of, a lot of learning a lot of humility, a lot of hard work, but I blessed with those moments and opportunities, but then also in the trenches, you could see different decisions that impacted employee morale, client relationships, clients we couldn't take on because they didn't have the right budgets, clients we had to um, uh, resign because someone else with a bigger budget came in. Like I could see different different relationships um, being managed in a way that that it was it was very um, just I would have done differently 
I would have I would have done it differently. And I think because I had a lot of exposure exposure to different conversations, naturally every person is its own universe and its own world. So what made sense with the limited context that I was afforded didn't make sense for the business. And you don't know that, right? You can have a lot of judgment as a junior employee because you don't know that people are just trying to keep the, the big ship running. So mm-hmm. you make little decisions that impact that junior employee and, and ruffle feathers. But as an owner, those are owner decisions. And so naturally gravitating um, to big moments and big firms, I had my own ego and my own sensibility of this is how it should work. And I'm good. when I get mine, I'm going to do better. I don't know that I ever felt like when I was at Edelman, I, there, there's such a, a big firm and the way they run it, or at least they did when I was there, it's very entrepreneurial. So I felt like I had my own show. I felt like I was running my own agency. I just had to report in to the higher ups, but I, I did feel kind of the weight of billing, the weight of keeping staff engaged, the weight of keeping clients coming in and staying in. So I, I felt very prepared to run whatever it is I was gonna run. Um, and when it came time, you know, what I call graduate, I don't know that I would have, I don't know that I, that I, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this on my own. I literally just wanted to help. I, I, I just, I wanted to do good with whatever context I was afforded. I, I, I truly believe that that's what we're all here to do is use our skills and talents for some greater good. So starting the firm, like I'm just gonna stay rooted in those intentions and I'm gonna bring people on that are wildly passionate about doing good. Skills, I think we can train, I think we can give, we can help guide and provide context and competency and up training as, as we go, but if, if they're rooted in, in, in my mind, if we have the same values, if we have the same vision and mission for how we want to use our time on the planet, if we have the wherewithal to respectfully disagree and have courageous conversations, we're going to get to a good place. And so I think I started the firm out of necessity. I was so senior in, in the ranks of PR, those jobs at the SVP level, like, those don't come around a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and there weren't a lot of jobs that were exciting. I, I felt like I had worked for the best agency in the business. So changing, changing that model or that look, and again, my ego, right? <laughs> like, like, where do you go after that? I, I felt like it was at the top of a hill on the island that is Manhattan. And, and, and that felt so important and so specific. How do, I, how do I navigate what's next in a way that doesn't, this is going to sound awful, but I'll own it, but that doesn't dumb it down. Mm-hmm. Like how do I just do more of that goodness? How do I take it to the next level? And for that, it looked like autonomy. Yeah. Come back to the point too about, you know, when like if I was boss, I'd do this and this. I think uh, I had, a, I, it was an evolution for me, right? But I, it was a key, a key day, actually, I remember when I point to, it wasn't just an emotional thing like, man, I wish I was running a ship. It'd be this and that. Like I could say if I was, in my head, if I was CEO or owner or whatever else, I'd be, this would change. I'd cut, you know, I'd reduce staff here, move that over here, increase training for recruits, da, 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 but very specific operational things. And I think it's something, you know, with, for folks, I'm assuming who listen to this, um, who at some day maybe want to do their own shop, right? I mean, ambition, 
ambition is obviously a key part of it and a focus or desire of mine to earn probably an ego. You got to have some of that. You got it right. Because that's going <laughs> to, that's almost the shield because this is a, I think entrepreneurship in general is just uh, you're, you're always going to choppy waters and especially yeah. when you're starting and you got to have uh, you know, having the operational experience, I think for folks like I see it sometimes my profession, I'm sure you see in yours, people, I don't know if PR or GR or government affairs, government relations or professions where you can come out of college and do it. It's the rare person, you know, the rare person can with the right circumstances, right? But those are far in between, yeah. right? These are both professions where you need a certain amount of apprenticeship or training base level to have some core competencies. But I feel like for you to start your own thing until you, I, I put this in any search, search profession, law, wherever else, until you can really think about how would I handle marketing? How would I stand out from all my competitors? We're all selling legal services. We're all selling PR, GR, whatever. I don't think you're ready personally. If you can't even imagine that, right? If you're just, I'm going to be a lobbyist and like be out there with, at the Capitol, you know, 400 of the lobbyists out there, how are you going to differentiate? You're all saying the same stuff. You're all the same people. In your field, probably the same thing to a degree. How are you different? And you have to think about that because you're from a client perspective, you're all selling the same thing. So it's, you know, I've enjoyed it. I know we talk about that a lot offline last four months too, continually. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's, not a, it's not a fixed thing. It evolves. It has to. And I think anything, um, one, I think that's what we're here to do. And I think that should be reflected in all avenues of at least my life. My relationships need to evolve. My conversation and what I get to speak to and, how I even think about the work that we do needs to evolve. And I had this conversation with one of my colleagues of like, I offer a certain amount of experience and that experience provides a certain amount of context. But the only way this is going to work and that we're going to grow is that if they feel comfortable enough to bring in what they offer and, and what they're learning and what they're seeing and what they feel and what, you know, what their instincts are, that I don't want to raise mini-me's in, in my company and I don't want to attract or collaborate with um, twins. Like it has to, it has to be a healthy conversation and what I call a, like a porous influx of outside feedback and, and pushback where there needs to be pushback because the only way we're going to get better is if we allow for, for those healthy discussions to, to push us forward. I like it. Um, I want to focus on your firm. I mean, you y'all, you have a lot. I'm looking, you're, I'm looking at y'all's uh, client list now. There's a lot of national and you know state clients, and, and you know, from Bumble, Sprint, Texan, Texan Nature, T-Mobile, Voto Latino, and what? Just with what's your philosophy? Like your teams, all y'all female team. How do you strive to develop that talent? And also just some of the services you provide for those clients as well. We'll talk about those two things. Okay. Um, so the team, I'll clarify that. We do work with um, non-Latino females. I think definitely uh, attract a core group of strategists, but we work with collaborators across the globe really that make up you know, various gender and realities and, and spectrums of the diversity um, continuum. In terms of how we attract clients, and this is, this is gonna be, sound crazy, but so far, so much of the, the work that's come in has been through referral, which I, I think the thing that we're most proud of, I don't know if it's scalable, 
<laughs> long term. I think we need to do more to get our name out. But so, so much has been through someone who knew me, the team, our work, our clients, and we've been referred. You know, Lush was a referral. Bumble was a referral. Um, T-Mobile, actually, that came because Sprint and, and T-Mobile merged. But, you know, Sprint was because we had, I had worked with, you know, the agency that had them before, uh, before they allowed me to take on the PR contract. So, so much of everything that we've been able to do, Texan by Nature, I had met um, Joni Carswell, who's the CEO of Texan by Nature, uh, when she was at Living Tree. And, you know, I was referred to Living Tree by my friend Meredith Bradley Ramos at lunch with the folks at Living Tree, ended up getting to work with Living Tree to launch them. It's an ed tech startup that launched in 2012, 2013. Um, and so everything that we've done has been based on word of mouth. Someone, someone somewhere had a positive experience and talked about it. And that's how we've been able to grow the roster, which is amazing. Got it. And can you talk about, we'll do this to kind of this announcement, but our firm's alignment, right? So again, it's something I think we first connected, we, it evolved and become full circle on that. But, um, you know, we're, we'll be putting out an announcement probably around the time this podcast is, is published about um, just a alignment of services of things we're looking to do. But I think you put it way more eloquently than I could have articulated it. As a PR person, I expect that anyway, but just talk about that. So, I think, so when we... Um the more you and I started diving in and, and it was an, I mean, talk about an interesting time. This is pre COVID pre BLM. Now we're in the thick of it. I've had some significant um, kind of changes in, in my life and, and then we're running businesses, right? And life doesn't stop because of pandemics and business doesn't stop because of pandemics or because of civil unrest and, and shifts that need radical shifts that need to happen like business continues and it needs to continue so when i think about you know what's next in the state of our evolution and partnerships we're going to continue to do more good we're going to continue to identify more like missioned partners that want to use their skills for for maximum impact and so when i think about grounding locally um that prop that intention has never been more clear because of the pandemic because of what's been happening uh i want our work to be rooted in where we live and i think a, a testament to that is is the work that you're doing with the bingham group and and the the skills that you're bringing to the table on behalf of your clients and the initiatives that you're trying to move forward on behalf of your clients and so if there are complementary services that my team can bring to your roster we want to do that and at the same time as two POCs, you know, we, we have a different, go ahead. No, let's say for people who aren't aware, because who at this point, POC means people of color. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. And so I, I, I know. Like, what's a POC? Like, oh, people, people of color or persons of color. Persons of color. And, 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 and it, you know, it, it's kind of neither here nor there that I would use that term, but I think it's hyper relevant to now. Where, you know, there is something to, having a frame of reference, it's gonna root the work differently. And so when I think about your struggles as an entrepreneur or my struggles as an entrepreneur, our, our rooting is similar. Our backgrounds may be different, but the rooting is similar. And that it feels like we're doing this, not just for us, but for more, for, for more generations of, of people like us. We're trying to raise owners and partners and builders 
and contributors at a mass scale, likely because of what hasn't been afforded to the people who came before us. And so um, there is some connection, and I think that's the base of our friendship, is that there is a certain amount of explaining that we didn't have to do. And, and so one, and that's before you get to, we have the same philosophy of wake up early, work hard, and be proud daily. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that's what I would look for in a partner, and I think that's, that's what I'm excited to, to work with the Bingham Group and see what we can do together. Yeah, I should add too. Audrey and I have never met in person to to date. It's just been it's been a while. Like I had the thought, you know, we we had this, we connected on LinkedIn. Or we were we were already connected on LinkedIn prior when we actually spoke in February, and I was in Charlotte Charlotte at the time, and I realized, man, like you know, we have like weekly calls, and I don't we actually never connected in person, but like I felt immediate affinity with you in terms of being the values uh, that you know just an entrepreneur you have, and definitely with your firm and someone who's just that much more developed as a firm being able to talk to a peer about this stuff has been extremely extremely helpful for for me and same for me i think knowing that you're not alone in the building of whatever it is that you're building and that you can kind of draw upon the honesty and the authenticity and vulnerability of like hey i'm kind of making this up right now (laughs) or like how did you do this when you faced that it's that's real and i think we need more of those like um honest moments as an industry as 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 players or business people i feel like the more we can kind of own that vulnerability and help each other navigate it in a way that's constructive i i think that like who who does the world get to be if everybody gets to share that kind of honest truth and then also help whoever they can help yeah so we'll, again we'll have a release uh in the show notes about this as well it should be it'll most likely be out when this uh, the show is posted um on a wednesday um, but I want to thank Audrey again for her time. Again, Audrey Ponzio Rodriguez is the CEO and founder of APC Collective, which is an Austin-based PR and comms firm, but with a national reach and extensive uh, list of partners and being proud to be part of that group now. I'm excited to partner, AJ, and look forward to all the good impact we can do together.